On Wednesday night, we started a new series, and uh, that series was on timing. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's what we're talking about today, timing, the timing of God. And Wednesday night's message was, does God care? Does God even care what time it is? I mean, he's on his own time clock, some people say, and God doesn't really take notice of the fact that we only have 24 hours a day or, you know, he doesn't realize that I actually need more hours because my life is too busy. You know, God designed day and night. He knows exactly how many hours, exactly how many days. And if you'd like to get that CD, it's in the bookstore. It's the first of a series of three. Today, the message is keep silent. That received about that much enthusiasm on Wednesday night. <laughs> Keeping silent is not necessarily one of the attributes that people uh, oftentimes express because everybody, everybody loves to hear themselves talk. Now, that may be a new revelation to you. It's not that they just love to talk. Everybody loves to hear themselves talk. Now, that is a very positive thing if your self-talk is faith talk because in hearing comes faith in hearing the word of God comes faith. That's what the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen. So it's not that we don't ever speak, but there is a time to keep silent. Everybody say, keep silent. And if you'll turn to Ecclesiastes, that's where we were on uh, Wednesday night. We're going to begin there again today. And we're going to read through the scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, 1. Uh, last week when we we're worshiping, or I was worshiping on Saturday, and then I sang it a little bit on Sunday. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And God just really put that song in my heart, and he's been speaking to me about timing, probably because I've been asking a lot of questions. How many, you probably don't do this, but I, you know, I get, I want to know more. How many of you want to know more? And sometimes I want to know more than God wants to tell me. And sometimes God keeps silent. Have you ever been on that road? And, and so it's important that we understand what silence is about. And so let's read Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season, a time, a purpose under heaven. So that answers our question, does God care what time it is? Yes, he does. Because to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, this book, Ecclesiastes, is written by Solomon, most scholars believe. You know, Solomon's end of his life did not go as well as the very beginning of his uh, kingship. He was a man who really sought after God in the beginning. By the end, he had all these wives, the Bible said, that confused him. That's why it's important, men, that you never hope for more than one wife. Because that's enough, okay? Let's just say that. That'll end that. Okay. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Then it goes on in verse 11. It says, he has made everything. Everybody say everything. <laughs> Beautiful in his time. And so all of us know, you know, there's a timing in our lives where uh, we, would, we hear God and we hear the future, but we'd really like for that to happen you know, McDonald's style. I, you know, I heard it, I spoke it, God do it. 
And, and I can assure you, in the years that I've been in ministry, which is a long time now, probably about 29 years, that God does not move as fast as we'd like him to. Uh, but God moves in his time. And there are things that have to be perfected in our life that as a father of mercy, he holds us in places until he knows we're ready. Now, we oftentimes can think we're ready. We do things to get ourselves ready. How many of you, you know, tried to get yourself ready and you're still sitting in your prom dress and the prom hasn't happened yet? You know, or you're, you know, you're all dressed up with nowhere to go because it's not God's time. Everybody say it's not God's time. And the tendency is for people to get irritated and agitated. And, and then we miss what God wants to do in the time that we're in. And it says uh, every season has a purpose. Everybody say that. Every season, every season. has a purpose. And, uh, you know, as, as I look at my new uh, little granddaughter, you know, sometimes we wish she could talk. Now, there will be a day where we won't want her to. Because I got a 14-year-old granddaughter that I'm thinking, how can we get her to not talk so much? And so, you know, but what we do is, you know, we, we think we're always focusing on what we want to happen. We get so caught up in that that we don't enjoy what is happening. And so God wants us to know that there are seasons, there are times. In John 7, 8, Jesus, I mean, he was called to die for our sins, but there was a timing. Everybody say there was a timing, a timing issue because he said to his disciples, you go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. Now he had a timing of God and he was in the season of a timing of God, but that full time, that time of when he would be crucified, the, the Passover and the feast that would, would signal that he was going to be crucified. All of that wasn't in sync. And so with God, he knew that. So he said, I can't go. Oftentimes, we want to go and do and be in everything and anything and all things that God is doing in the earth because we don't want to be left out. But there are seasons where God calls us to stand back, to be quiet, to wait. And so when we're in that place, we need to enjoy it. Uh, Esther was a, a woman of God that God positioned in the king's court. And at a certain time when Israel was being threatened to be totally annihilated, uh, she was the one God chose for such a time as this, it says in, in uh, Esther 4.14. So every one of us are here on the earth for such a time as this. I want you to turn to Isaiah 41. And when I began to hear this message, it was a result of my prayer time um, and me asking questions, which I know you don't do. But I think it's important that you ask God questions. You know, asking God questions is not a lack of faith unless he's given you the answer and then you're trying to get him to change his mind. I won't say that again because you heard it. I could tell by the laughter. Just the and um, I was talking to God about the building and the new building. And, you know, we started this church a long time ago. Uh, Pastor Bill and I, we came here. It's been, it'll be 21 years, 20, yeah, 21 years in July, July 9th. And uh, from the beginning, we knew that we were here for a purpose. We knew the vision that we were to raise up a church. It would be a multiracial church. It would be a church that reached the world. It would be a church that had a Bible school, a missions outreach. It would have a Christian school. And we would have a large facility. And uh, it's been 21 years. And look around. Hallelujah. And so you could get, you could say the timing, the timing may not be yet. Hallelujah. Or you can say, we've done something wrong. 
And so that's where people go, you know, I must have done something wrong. I must have missed God. But when you know you've heard God, everybody say, when you know you've heard God, then you just have to keep silent in that place until you hear what God's saying to do. And you only do what God tells you. See, there have been many people who've tried to help us uh, know what God has and help us get what God has. But we can't go beyond what God tells us because there's no faith attached to what God didn't say, because it's God's word that faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so I was in the park saying, Lord, you know, I, you haven't really told me anything new about this building lately. And uh, I like to be encouraged. And so I was, you know, Lord, encourage me. Tell me something. And, uh, and this is what I heard. Hold steady. <laughs> How many of you like hold steady? How many of you like to be in an airplane and they say, I'm sorry, we can't land. We're going to circle. That happens sometimes for several minutes, depending on what's going on in the, in the heavenlies. Holding pattern. You're in a holding pattern for now. Just remain, and I'm giving you this word today because it's important for all of you. Just remain steadfast and movable, always abounding in what I've given you to do. The silence, listen to this, the silence is not deafness. The silence is not deafness, but a place of waiting for the command to go forward. The silence is not deafness but waiting for the command to go forward. It seems silent to you, but things are moving in the spirit. Everybody say, moving in the spirit. And then he said, your steadfastness will determine. That means I play a part (laughs) in what is happening. Your steadfast will determine your readiness when the time is right. Do not grow weary or make changes. Isn't that something we always like to do? Oh, I think I'll do something. Hallelujah. (laughs) This ought to help. Uh, No. Stay silent and wait. Like the children of Israel when they took Jericho. Remain in formation. Keep moving, but remain silent until you see me open the door. Be steadfast in prayer, in taking care of the sheep, in leading the people. But understand that I have not released the next step. In due season. Everybody say, in due season. There is a purpose for this. I am with you. I will give you wisdom and direction for each day. This was my response. Your will be done. I am your servant. See, when you recognize and you hear from God, you have to make a a decision to obey or disobey. You know, just because he told me doesn't mean I got it. It's when I say, okay, I get it and I'll do it. And so with God, you talk to God, God talks to you. There's a, there's a response. There's a listening. There's a doing all of these things play a part in the timing of God. Did you hear where he said your steadfastness will determine? See, oftentimes we just think, well, you know, I'm just, I'm waiting on God. No, there's things we're supposed to do in that waiting, but it means we on purpose are not saying against what God is saying. That is the most important key of all. Never let your mouth get loose-lipped. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All the loose-lipped people say amen. Amen. Because I'm one of them. Okay, here we go. Isaiah 41. I only say that because God told me that once. Here we go. Keep silence before me, O coastlands, and let the people renew their strength. Everybody say renew their strength. When you're in a position waiting on God and you have a timing that is not apparent in the next day or two that you have the ability to be patient and wait for, then God is going to have to renew your strength. Everybody say, renew your strength. And God is the strength of our salvation. God is our strength. He becomes our strength. My husband preached last Sunday. Uh, Thanks. I see what it is. I can do all things through Christ who 
all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my ability, but it is his strengthening that gives me the ability to do what he says. If you go over in verse 10 of the same chapter, and if you'll notice in this chapter, you take time to read it later. This whole chapter is God assuring Israel that he is going to help them. That he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And sometimes we just need to be encouraged in that. And it says in verse 10, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will withhold, uphold you with my righteous right hand. God wants to strengthen us, but we have to put ourselves in the position to be strengthened. And when we're in a timing issue and it seems like it's a long time, oftentimes we do not allow God to strengthen us. That song says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Then they mount up like eagles and then they can run and not grow weary. They walk and they don't faint. But there's in that position of saying, God is still in charge. I can't see it. I don't know what's happening, but I know I'm in the timing of God. And as long as I stay silent, I don't I don't move out. I don't do something. I don't put myself in a position that God has not called me to get into. Then God will continue to work on my behalf and bring that to pass. It goes on in other scriptures, 4610 of Psalms. Let's look at that one. It says in, in that, but the Lord, no, that's Habakkuk 220. This is uh, Psalm 46, 4610. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What that says is whatever God has promised you, he's going to do it because he will be exalted. He will be exalted in the thing that he has decided to do. In 2 Chronicles 20:17, a very familiar story uh, is Jehoshaphat. And, you know, God spoke to Jehoshaphat these words, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. If you remember the word the Lord just gave me, that was the very last of what he said to me. I'm with you. You know, when you hear I'm with you, that, you know that's God because that's his favorite thing to say. When Moses was called to go deliver the children of Israel, he goes, but I'm just, I can't do this and I can't do this. And God didn't even talk about what he could do. Immediately he said, I'll be with you. So that word, I will be with you, says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will be there. I will get you through that timing issue. How many of you have been waiting on some things in your life for a long time? A long time. And so we need to be in that, in that position in faith. Everybody say, in faith. Now, Joshua, when he led the children of Israel, and I'm just going to go to this story real quick because um, I think John shared on this one night about Joshua when we were gone on our vacation. I think it was the first Wednesday we were gone. But, you know, uh, Joshua 6, 3 through 5, God gave a command, and this is what he, he told Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hand. Is, is, that, is that a promise? It, it is a promise. It's, he said, it's king and the mighty men of valor. Then he gave these instructions. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. The seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come past when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people will shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, that is not exactly a normal strategic battle plan. However, the silence was important with these people because they were a group of people who were 
uh, let's just call them whiny bananas. You probably have called people whiny something else's, but we're just going to call them whiny bananas today. And they whined and complained all the time, and that's how they had already ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. This is a new group, a young group, a young group of, of Israelites that are being trained by God, and God this time isn't going to give them the opportunity to determine what happens. He tells them, just don't talk. Because can you imagine all the talk? We're going to march around the city, and we're, and we're going to blow a trumpet or two, one or two times, and the walls are going to come down. Can you see all those people? You know, just think of this room right here if I gave you some crazy story like that. And, and you'd all just wait to talk to each other, wouldn't you? I mean, the minute I would leave the room, it would be... And so God says, be quiet. You shall not shout, verse 10, or make any noise. Joshua, now Joshua commands him. Any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I say to you, shout. Now, I'm telling you, that's seven days. You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. That was a silent army. That, he didn't say just when we're marching. He said, just don't talk for seven, just don't say anything so we can win this battle. And this is, this is what it says in my Bible. The memory that Israel's 40 years of punishment in the wilderness was a result of people's murmuring in unbelief was doubtless in Joshua's mind. You know, sometimes you just have to people, tell people be quiet. You know, there have been times where my husband and I have known things, and we didn't share them with anybody, and then there's a tendency with people to say, well, why didn't you tell us? Well, because God said not to. Well, why would God say not to? Well, because you might have had a loose lip. See, some people can carry something at this level. Some people can't carry it because they don't have faith to believe it. So they have to get somebody else in agreement. That's why, you know, when you get people to pray with you, you have to make sure they're on your page. Otherwise, they're going to call four other people and say, so-and-so asked me to pray with them. I just want you to get in agreement with us. Well, they're not asking you to get in agreement. They don't have enough faith to believe it with the person they agree with. So they go find four more who have less faith because these are the people God gave them. Now we got 14 people by the end who don't believe anything talking and wishing and hoping. And there's negative and good. And so this, this is very important. Everybody say very important. It was very critical to this battle that nobody said anything. And so, in the end, they won. Now, if we look at Numbers 33, or Numbers 1333, uh, it tells about the end of the story with these people. And in my Bible, or in my book here, From Faith to Faith with Brother Copeland, he just has a way of saying things sometimes I just really like. But, you know, this is that story where they says, say, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. You know, if you're a grasshopper in your sight, you are going to be a, even a bigger grasshopper in somebody else's sight. And, and so what they were saying was, we haven't been strengthened in our faith. Joshua and Caleb were strengthened in faith, but they weren't strengthened in their faith because all they saw was grasshoppers. But if you know God said something, you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not your might. And this is what he says, the key to their failures found in their own words. We are grasshoppers. The reason the Israelites were so terrified to fight the giants in Canaan wasn't because those giants were so big. It was because they saw themselves so small. Now, I'm telling you, in timing with God, there's a season where he has to put you in a place where he can strengthen your faith. Because when it comes time to really win the battle, there is going to be one heck of a fight. And if you're a grasshopper, 
you are just going to hop out of the place. But if you are strong in the Lord, you are going to stand and say, this battle is not mine. I am in position. The battle is the Lord's and he will win. But he needs your faith. Everybody say your faith. He said, if in your own sight you are weak and powerless, if you're a weak, powerless Christian, the devil will run over you three to four times a day or more if he's not too busy. How many of you want the devil running over you every other day? I'm telling you, timing can be a long time. You can have a lot of days where the devil's running over your life. God doesn't want that for your life. I love this scripture. It's a scripture God gave me. It's in the King James. It's Proverbs 29:11. I didn't put it on your paper, but uh, God really brought this to me uh, a few years ago. It says a fool utters his whole mind. And God said, that's you sometimes. I just, you know, those are such words of appreciation. I love those words. He said, you know, you just tell everything. He said, I didn't ask you to tell everything. You don't need to get 14 people in agreement with you that you've heard from me. That's all you're doing. You're trying to get somebody else to say, oh, yes, that's God. And he said, you cannot be a leader if you act like that. You've got to know it's me. Now, there's a, there's a multitude of counselors. There's wisdom. The Bible says that. So I'm not saying you just become a, you know, a, a person who just the lone ranger. But it is important that when God speaks to you, you know when you're to keep silent and when you're to speak. And, and sometimes you have assignments and you can't speak them ahead of God's timing. And if you do, you're going to mess up what God is trying to do. I, I've had things that God has shown me. My husband and I have had things he's shown us. I know there's things that God tells my husband that he does not tell me. For a while, I can tell when he knows something. How many of you can tell when somebody knows something? And, uh, and as women, we, we have this ability to position things so that we get that little slip of the tongue, and then we got it. You know, we figured it out. But God has told me over the years, leave him alone. Because he has to get his faith connected to what God's saying before he can say to me. And God has said to me, why don't you just listen to what I'm saying and get your faith built up so when he says something, you can agree with him. Amen? See, now, you probably don't hear God talk to you like this. You're probably not as stubborn or something. I don't know what it is about me. But isn't it easier for to somebody else to tell you? You know, isn't it easier to go park on somebody else's porch ship that knows everything? Just tell me. I'll do it. no. You need to hear from God because when somebody gets ready to move and you're a leader, you better know what they're saying and you better have heard the same thing because if you haven't heard the same thing, then you can't go. That's just the bottom line. You can't go. And so it says, when a fool shuts his lips, I love this one, Proverbs 17, 28. When a fool shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. <laughs> That's a good one. When a fool shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. Well, Jesus was very perceptive. And so sometimes uh, I learned uh, this other one. My husband, uh, the Lord said to me, your husband knows how to not tell everything. Why don't you learn from him? I mean, he's told me several times, you need to learn from Bill. You know, now, you know, you can get upset about that as a mate, or you can take that, that God has put you together to be powerful. And so he's got to get both people on the same page. You know, if I want to walk with Bill and walk in agreement with Bill, and, and last week when he was preaching, the Lord said to me, see, you have just been a whiny banana a lot of the time. I love it when I have to sit in that chair. I prefer to be up here now because you get to be the person who has the message. Down there, you have to be the person who received the message. And so I've already received it in the park, so I've repented and got myself together for you. See me. But I was sitting there, and he said, I assigned him 
in 2005 to take care of a few things for me. And I told you that he had to spend time in prayer and he would take care of the Sudan and there, he would, there are certain things he would do. And I told you to just listen to me and not to bother him with everything. Well, I didn't do very good at that. I repent. I'm sorry. I ask your forgiveness. I was a whiny banana. I mean, I would say, God, I don't know what to do. So I'd run home and ask Bill. Well, he was in cloud 62 off in some other orbit. <laughs> and then he'd look at me like, he'd go, well, why can't you just do da da And then i think, well, don't be talking to me like that. I mean, I'm a woman of faith. What's the deal? And then, you know, it took me a long time to understand the reason he was, he was projecting that was because he wasn't my answer. God had told me, you're going to learn to lead and you're going to ask me. Well, I always followed him. And, and so when I got in tight places, I would want him to tell me. And so I became a whiny banana. I didn't ask God. And I didn't really see the fullness of it till last week when he was preaching. And I saw him up here talking about the Sudan. He said, I made him the father of that nation. I made him a father in that nation. And he was busy being a father. He was busy working. He was busy off to war. And I told you, when he's at war, you have to take, stay home and take care of things. See, there's a lot of women today who are jumping ship on their husbands. Because they don't even have a clue what's going on. They do not. It's the devil who's our enemy. And we have to be in position. And we are strong. We are strong women. I learned that at Curves. We're doing that right now. We're strong women. Hallelujah. I thought, well, hallelujah. I'm going to be a strong woman in the Lord. Praise God. So I repented of all that because I'm not supposed to be doing that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When David came and found all of the people taken, his wives and everything, it says the people were going to stone him. And so he just strengthened himself in the Lord. I'm going to do better at that, you know, as long as I'm in this position. You know, you say, you talk about your shortcomings often. Well, if I don't talk about mine, how are you going to know that God is able to take care of human beings, and I am one. And I have opportunities just like the rest of you. But I'm telling you, we are in war here. We are in a big war. The nation is at war. The enemy's trying to take our nation. The enemy's trying to take over all over the world. There is a horrible thing going on. It's called evil, and everybody thinks it has to do with people, and it has to do with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and every one of us are called to be strong in the Lord and do what God says. It says in Romans 4, these, it was uh, about Abraham, and, and it says he called those things that were not as though they were. And, and the reason that he did that, he was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, he didn't take into consideration circumstances or situations. He didn't take into consideration his inability or hers. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God in the middle of being strengthened. He was giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, also able to perform. That's the way we have to live our life, to flow in the timing of God. And I just want to share this last thing. When Bill and I got married, um, you know, I just, I was so thrilled to have a, a, a nice husband and, and he really... He, he really thought I was something. Hallelujah. That was really nice. And uh, I thought he was really something. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we had six kids between us. And, and he found us a house to live in when we got married. And the way he found it was the Lord uh, had our kids run through the front yard 
of this property, he was just out driving and he saw my kids running with my sister Chris's kids across the front of this yard. And he saw a for rent sign in that yard and he got us a house right in God's timing. I, you know, I, I, we had a house just like that. Well, then later on, we, we sold our house, which we felt we were supposed to do. We ended up in an apartment again. And in this apartment, after we got back here, in that apartment, I really wanted a house. And I started looking for houses. Amen. I was determined. And I would say, Bill, come on, let's go drive. He didn't want to go look at houses. I thought, what is the matter with you, man? I need a house. And... Uh, But he didn't enjoy it. He did not enjoy just driving around looking for houses. Well, finally, I just took off for uh, overseas with 10 women. There were nine others besides myself. We went overseas and and did meetings in the Czech Republic and Poland and everywhere. Just before I left, the Lord said to me, I want you to move to the sanctuary. Well, I thought, well, I'll move over here, that little place back in there. was a closet. They fixed it up for me. I moved into it. And so they said they'd take care of it while I was gone. I came back, had a beautiful office in the sanctuary. I thought in the story. But just a couple of weeks after that, my husband was driving through an addition in the city called the sanctuary. And today I live in the sanctuary. Here and I live in my house in the addition called the sanctuary. And my husband found the house. And so I've always felt like that's his role. You know, he finds the house and he takes out garbage. I don't do that. I don't do garbage. <laughs> I determined that after I ran over garbage cans once. And I just decided I'm not in charge of garbage. So he, he found that house. And, and so that's two times he found the house. Now, when we came here, we knew we would have a building. And the Lord has always spoken to me, don't be concerned about the house. Take care of the kids, and he'll take care of the house. Well, then when he stopped about four years ago, I said to God, hey, wait a minute, he didn't get the house. And I mean, you know, don't leave me. I'll take care of the kids, but I can't find a house because I've never found a house. He finds the houses, but then he's off doing Sudan. He's doing all these other things. Everybody say timing. And in the midst of all of that, see, this is when you're a whiny banana, but what's going to happen about the building? You know, what about the building? And people say, when are you going to get your building? I've heard that a zillion times since we, I, and you know what the Lord said to me, tell him you have a building for heaven's sakes. You're in a building. So, you know, we're in a building. We have a building. We have like several sections of buildings. But, I mean, we're multiplied buildings. Hallelujah. But it was something that really bothered me. But then God said to me, he will get the building. But I said, Lord, he can't get the building because he's busy. He's doing other things. But God was getting a building. And at the right time, he connected my husband with somebody in Manhattan, in New York, and found the building. And today... We're about to end that building. I believe we will be in that building. Everybody say, in God's time. In God's time. But see, what has to happen is we can't even say, well, he's not here anymore. How's he going to get the building? He's not, you got him doing other things. Everybody say, be quiet. Be quiet. Keep silent. Everybody say, keep silent. Because God is on the throne. That's what the Bible says. He's in his holy throne. So keep silence, all the earth. Keep silence, church. Keep silent in those things that God has promised you in not saying why, when, where, why isn't it, why can't it be. Live in the moment God has given you with faith and be strengthened in that place where you are. Most likely you're in a place that you would rather not be somewhere in your life. Don't try to figure out how to escape. Be strengthened in your faith. 
in that place because it has to do with what you're going to get the victory over in the end. Amen? Let's stand up together. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.